Welcome to another Chapel Talk. This one was given to the entire HTS audience, the students and teachers, on October 21st of this year. It's about 15 minutes long, and the theme is It's Not Okay to Be Weak. I hope you enjoy it. It was a beautiful, sunshiny morning the kind where there weren't any clouds in the sky, when Rick Rascola was sitting at his desk at Morgan Stanley up on the 40th floor. Suddenly he heard this tremendous explosion that came from across the office. And so he got up quickly and headed over to the window to join the others who were looking out at the building next to them, which seemed to be engulfed in flames. Rick recognized that something terribly was wrong here. And so he turned around and proceeded to calmly walk back towards his desk. That's when an announcement came over the PA system saying, there had been an accident at the building next door, but everything was okay and everyone should remain at their desks. Rick knew this was a terrible idea. He needed to evacuate everyone as quickly as possible. So he opened up his drawer and he pulled out a megaphone, a walkie-talkie and a cell phone. And while people started to panic around him, he turned on his megaphone and said, this isn't the time for panic, it's the time for evacuation, just like we had planned. And sure enough, just like they had planned, everyone started to file towards the stairway and began their descent down from the 40th floor. On their way down, they got about halfway, when at 9.17, AM, a tremendous shock struck all around them. Something had hit the building. The building swayed back and forth. Pieces of concrete started to fall down the stairs. People panicked, cried, screamed. Rick knew that the danger was very, very close now. But instead of panicking, he got on his megaphone and he started to sing a song. One that um, was from his home country of Wales. It was called the Men of Harlech. It's an old war march. And it worked. It seemed to calm people's nerves. And they continued to head down the stairs. When about 2,700 employees of Morgan Stanley had been evacuated, Rick stopped, picked up his cell phone, called his wife. She was in absolute hysterics. She was asking what was going on, what was happening. And he calmed her by saying, listen, you need to stop crying. I need to save these people. And there's more of them that need to be saved. If anything were to happen to me, I want you to know that you were the best thing to come into my life, and I love you very much. He hung up his phone and headed back into a building that was on fire with people pouring out. He was last spotted on the 10th floor, heading up. You see, it's not okay to be weak. On June 5th, 1989, Someone known affectionately as Tank Man stood down the might of the Chinese army in a place called Tiananmen Square. This person was there defending his peers as a student. They were there 
protesting for more democratic freedoms in China. And everything was fine until the army showed up and things turned very violent. And in the midst of all of this, this one particular gentleman sacrificed himself in order to recognize a greater good. You see, it's not okay to be weak. A very good friend of mine, Luke Anderson, was terribly wounded in a mountain bike accident back in 2003. He had his whole life ahead of him. He had just graduated as a civil engineer from the University of Waterloo. He spent his weekends mountain biking when suddenly he missed a gap jump and fractured vertebrae in his spine. The result was that he's a quadriplegic. And for anyone, this would have crushed them. But for Luke, he rose from the ashes and realized that there's still lots of work to be done. He started a charity called Stopgap, which provides ramps to businesses all around the country to help people in wheelchairs and strollers get in offices and storefronts more easily. He wrote a book. He's had several TED Talks. You see, despite all the tragedy, Luke wasn't weak, and neither should you. Now, I don't mean physically weak. I mean like a weak person. You know, the kind of weakness that you feel when you binge watch on Netflix for hours at a time, or you stay up till 3 a.m. playing Fortnite on a school night, or you go down a YouTube hole, and at the end of it, you don't feel very good. You feel like you've wasted time. That's the kind of weakness I'm talking about. This idea that it's extremely easy to give in to our temptations, that to actually confront problems can sometimes be difficult. And that's why it's important to understand that all life is suffering. You see, it's the first noble truth of Buddhism, and Buddhism is a thousands and thousand year old religion. They figured this out 4,000 years ago, that really that everything you face is hard in life. And it's going to continue to be that way, despite you having successes and failures. The reality is, life is suffering. But the interesting part is that if you turn around and you step up and you voluntarily confront the suffering, you'll realize something very interesting. Now, when I say voluntarily, I mean not because your parents are making you do it, not because your friends are making you do it, not because teachers are making you do it or your boss is making you do it, that you are taking on the responsibility to face the suffering. And when you do, you'll realize that you're way tougher than you actually think. That, that you are more equipped than you realize to handle these problems and to simply ignore them or to give in to them isn't the way forward. And you huff, don't have to look very far to see how important this idea is. I mean, the Bible, the entire Old Testament, the, the, the theme is that life is suffering but you're strong and you can handle it and you can overcome it. It all starts in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, who have paradise all around them, still give in to their temptation, their weakness, and get swayed to taste the forbidden fruit. 
And the result is that God throws them out of the Garden of Eden. And they're forced to live a life of suffering. And it explicitly says this right after they're thrown out, that you will be forced to sow the dirt to make a living, to understand that work is hard and life is hard. It doesn't get any better for the first two real humans that come about in the Bible. That's Cain and Abel. It's a classic story that you see all over the place, but it's around it's it's about weakness. And you know, Cain looks at his brother Abel who just has everything going for him. Things seem to come really easy to him. And in almost every part of their lives, Abel is better than Cain. Now, Cain could do two things here. He could number one recognize that yeah, maybe Abel is better, maybe he is more talented, but if he works hard and he tries hard, that he'll get to be like Abel. Or he could give in to the weakness and subject himself to the ever negative emotion of jealousy. And that's what he does. He sees that Abel is better and that the only way to make himself better is to kill his brother. And that's what he does. And that's why it's not okay to be weak. And all throughout the Bible, really, the Jewish people are constantly walloped by God. They're constantly punished on everything they do. They worship idols and God punishes them. At some points, he's wiped out entire cities like Jerusalem. And not once did the Jewish people decide that the best way to deal with it is to carve out on some stone tablets some angry messages to God and hold them up to the sky and say, why have you forsaken us, God? Instead, they do the exact opposite. They say, look, hmm, something is going on here. We're constantly being punished and we really are messing up. And they take a long look at themselves and say, what could we do better so that God isn't so angry at us? And instead of giving in to weakness, they confront the suffering. And they change. And because they change, they become better people. And they grow and they grow and they get kingdoms and they become powerful and they get knocked down again and they grow and grow and grow. But throughout this process, they're realizing that the way forward isn't to be weak, isn't to give in to these things and subject themselves to these pains and jealousy and anger, but instead to confront the suffering. Everything comes to a head in when Jesus is on the scene in, in the book of Matthew, he's giving his famous Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous public speaking events of all time. And during the sermon, he lists off a, a, a bunch of things, ideas that would make you a good Christian. And to many of these people, they have never heard of Christianity before. And the really interesting part for them is that it's an individualistic religion that, that God is talking directly to you and not through idols or other people. And one of the lines in there is, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I, I've first heard this from Jordan Peterson, but I'd heard it previously uh, in Bible stories from my grandmother, is this idea of meekness and what it means. Because I always thought somebody who's meek is like weak. They're shy. They don't confront any problems and they're easily controlled they're just weak people to begin with and i'm thinking to myself it doesn't make a lot of sense for somebody to inherit the earth because when i think of inherit the earth i think these are people who are going to control the the, the power on earth 
and I certainly don't want someone who's meek to lead me. And it turns out, depending on how you view it, what the me the idea of meekness is not weak at all. It's quite the opposite. I mean, uh, Aristotle first used it to give this idea that meekness is just a wild stallion under control. And other scholars have thought this idea that it's just your power under control, that you still have power and it's under control. And, and, and that's why I think the best definition that I've heard is that you have a sword, but you keep it in its holster, you keep it sheathed, I think Peterson uses. And this is an interesting way to look at it. I find it very visual because you walk around with a sword and a sword is a weapon and a weapon is in most circumstances is power. Um, I think it was Al Capone who said you can get more with a kind word and a, than, and a gun than you can with just a kind word. And this is kind of this idea that you hold the power and you could basically subject people with this power. But instead you don't. You keep it sheathed. You keep it holstered. So you have the power and you just don't use it. What does it mean though? It means that you should be a monster. But you should learn to control it. You see a monster is understanding all those negative emotions that swirl around in our heads and we easily bury them and burying them isn't the right way to approach it. Instead you need to let them come in but bring them under control. And when you do that, then you'll inherit the earth. So you might read that verse now as those who have swords but keep them holstered will inherit the earth. Now that makes a lot more sense to me because somebody who has power but main, remains calm in stressful situations when confronting the suffering certainly is a highly sought after quality for somebody who's a leader. Now let me give you a personal story to sort of bring it into picture. I get up at 5 a.m. every day. It was something that I've, I've done for a long time, but it's been reinforced by people whom I admire. And you, you would think that having done it for so long, it would be easy to get up every day at 5 a.m. and go work out and run and lift weights. But it's not. As a matter of fact, the more that time goes on, I find that it's more difficult. When my alarm goes off, there's a thousand voices in my head screaming like, you are not in good shape here. Your muscles are sore. You're tired. You've got a long day ahead of you. Why, why get out of bed? Get out of your warm bed and, and, and confront this suffering. Why do it? But over time, I've come to realize one thing. By doing this, by getting up at this time, by going downstairs to a cold basement or going outside for a cold and damp run, that it's a way to confront my monster. Because all those voices, all those things that sit in my back of my head that are telling me not to do it, those are come from a place of weakness. And when I confront them, when I overcome them, I'm a win, it's a win. And, and it doesn't matter how bad I feel when I get out of bed and I put my feet on the ground. Not once, not once have I done a workout and regretted it and said, you know what, those voices in my head were absolutely right. Not once. Sure, I don't, there are times when I, it, the physical damage to my body does catch up and I don't, you know, 
do 100%, but I still do it. And that's the thing. That's what the monsters say. It's just don't do it. And you see this pop up all over the place. I mean, any Disney movie is this idea of somebody who's weak, somebody who can't control their monster. All these villains that you see here are people who would sacrifice other people for their gain, would sacrifice things around them to get personal gain and growth. A lot of these come in your seven deadly sins, you know, greed, sloth, and things like that. And these villains are absolute manifestations of them in every single way. And they are villains because they're weak. And the heroes are the opposite, that they may be physically weaker than these villains, but because they confront the suffering, they are stronger. And I don't think there's more famous cinematic philosopher than this guy. And these words have really never rung truer, especially in today's world. Is He says this to Anakin Skywalker in episode three. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. And isn't that the truth? I mean, isn't that how we view our lives? A lot of times we don't do things because we're simply scared. And then we get mad at ourselves because we don't do them, because deep down we know that within us we can totally accomplish these things. And because we get frustrated about it, it gets us angry. And that anger can lead to hate. Anger can lead to hate. And when you have hate, you get suffering. And you see this all over the world when people who rightly and wrongly complain about suffering and blame other people for their suffering. You don't see it in a stoic way. You see them literally angry and, and hateful about it. And when that does, that leads to suffering and revenge on people who they view as suffering. But I think if you look at the storyline of even Darth Vader, you can see that when that happens, nothing good is the result. I mean, Darth Vader is the poster child of someone who blamed everyone else for their problems. He, he blamed the Jedi for taking away from his mother. And instead of trying to confront that problem and see good in it, he instead turns to the dark side. And that leads and did lead to a lot of suffering in the Star Wars world, did it not? But I think if you view the world like Darth Vader did and, and you think that you're a victim, that nothing is your fault, that everything around you is someone else's problem that's been forced on you, then you're going to miss the great adventure of life. I, I mean, the great adventure of life is that everything that is worthy is deemed an obstacle to overcome, that nothing easy comes, or nothing good comes easy. And that's the, that's the whole purpose of life, that when you turn and confront the suffering, that you're overcoming a problem, and when you win, you feel so much better. And that's exactly how I view my workouts in the morning, is that I'm overcoming something. And, and when I win to start the day, then the rest of the day is a piece of cake. And no matter what problems come my way, I can say, you know what, I've already solved a problem, a big one, and this one isn't so bad. And it all comes down to something that every single thinking human understands, and it's this idea of responsibility. And responsibility 
if you really want your mind blown, is just one word made up of two words, right? What are they? Response and ability. And what does that mean? Well, it, it means your ability to respond to a situation. Because people will come around and say, well, this is your responsibility. It's your responsibility to walk the dog. It's your responsibility to finish this homework. It's your responsibility to, to finish this work at your job. Whether you're being paid for it as a volunteer or you're being forced to do it, it's still your responsibility. And it's your ability how you respond to that that makes you strong or weak. So if you go around thinking that the problems that you have in your life belong to somebody else, you're, you're giving away your responsibility. And that's actually quite nice because when you give away your responsibility and you don't take it on yourself, then you just get to complain. You can complain about everything around you. But the great tragedy of it all is that all you can do is complain because you're not willing to take on those problems and solve them yourself. And that's why I love this picture. And, and it's popped up. I've, I've seen it on the internet all over the place now, especially in schools, obviously. But your ability to respond to all of these things, choices, grades, successes, words, actions, it's up to you. So when someone says something to you, how are you going to respond? We all know what's right and wrong. We all know that revenge is not the way forward in life, that nothing as good has ever come from revenge, that justice being served is never in cold blood, that your success is completely dependent on you and not some other people. And somebody might say, well, you know, there are luck and you might come from a rich family and so they pass these things down to you. That's absolutely true, but to varying degrees, if somebody in my family was wealthy and gave me money, it would be my responsibility to use that money for good. And so we have these things ingrained in us through thousands of years of evolution that when we confront problems, those who solve those problems become the leaders. They're the ones who inherit the earth. And you see this everywhere. You see this with doctors. You know, some doctors go to medical school for years and years and years, and the first thing they do in when they graduate isn't go buy a car and buy a house is they hop on a plane to go to places like Africa where they're in desperate need of medical care and they work for free for years sometimes meanwhile back at home they have all this debt that they've got to cover and they could be easily working as a surgeon making lots of money but they don't because there's a responsibility as a medical professional for you to better the world and there's a responsibility for you to better the world. And the biggest complaint about this is like, well, it's just too hard. Everyone says it's just too hard to do it. Making my bed, it's a simple task. And I could do it every morning, but some days I'm tired, some days I'm hungry, some days I sleep in, and it gets to just be too hard. And if that's you, if that's what you think of, this is what I offer you. Finally, in SEAL training, there's a bell. A brass bell that hangs in the center of the compound for all the students to see. All you have to do to quit, all you have to do to quit is ring the bell. Ring the bell and you no longer have to wake up at five o'clock. Ring the bell and you no longer have to be in the freezing cold swims. Ring the bell and you no longer have to do the runs, the obstacle course, the PT, and you no longer have to endure the hardships of training.
All you have to do is ring the bell to get out. If you want to change the world, don't ever, ever ring the bell. You have a choice of every moment of every day. Are you going to be strong or are you going to be weak? And one way to look at it is don't ever ring the bell. Thank you.